chapter eight of curiosities of olden times this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by tony oliva curiosities of olden times by sabine baring gould chapter eight flagellum salutis there is a strange old book with the above title to be found in the libraries of the curious so quaint in character as to deserve to be better known it was composed by christian franz paulini a german physician and was published at frankfurt on main in sixteen o eight it is a treatise on the advantage of the whip for curative purposes in various disorders dr paulini in the first section of his work directs attention to the consecration of corporal punishment by scripture and the church did not st paul assert castigo corpus meum et in servitutem redigo does not the bishop in the confirmation box the ear of the candidate in token that he is to be ready to endure suffering and shame as a good christian soldier and look at the saints of the calendar were they not mighty in flagellation fervent in rib-whacking shall precious saints and secret ones break one another's outward bones when savage bears agree with bears shall secret ones lug saints by the ears asks the puritan in his metrical version of psalms eighty three and dr paulini promptly answers certainly it is good for health of soul and body that they should so act towards one another scorpius atque fabe nostra fuere salus had our learned author been acquainted with the rabbinical gloss on the account of the fall of man he would maybe have hesitated to attribute universal benefit to the application of the rod for say the rabbis when adam pleaded that the woman gave him of the tree and he did eat he means emphatically that she gave it to him palpably adam was recalcitrant eve dedit deligno the branch was stout the arm of the mother of all living was muscular and the first man succumbed and did eat under compulsion there is nothing like the rod says the doctor it is a universal specific it stirs up the stagnating juices it dissolves the precipitating salts it purifies the coagulating humours of the body it clears the brain purges the belly circulates the blood braces the nerves in short there is nothing which the rod will not do when judiciously applied antidotum mortis si verbera dixero credas atonitum morbum nam coibere valent having laid down his principle the doctor proceeds to apply it to various complaints giving instances the result of experience and first as to melancholy one predisposing cause of melancholy observes paulini is love and that eventuates in idiocy or insanity to parents and guardians our author gives the advice when the first symptoms of this complaint appeared in young people under their charge 
let them grasp the rod firmly and lay it on with vigor and promptitude the remedy is infallible valescus de taranta says in the case of a young man and his words are words of gold whip him well and should he not mend immediately keep him locked up in the cellar on bread and water till he promises amendment i saw continues our author an instance of the good effect of this treatment at amsterdam a stripling of twenty comely enough in his appearance the son of an artisan in the town fell in love with the mayor's daughter he could neither eat drink sleep nor do anything in the remotest degree rational the father unaware of the cause put him into the hands of a medical practitioner who did his utmost to cure him but signally failed at last the father's eyes were opened by means of an intercepted letter like a sensible man he packed his son off to the public whipping place there to learn better moralia and this had the desired effect for the youth returned perfectly cured in his right senses but for this treatment he might have sunk into his grave like him mentioned by p boyston who died of a broken heart through unrequited love and at the post-mortem examination his bowels were discovered to be uncoiled his heart shrivelled his liver shrunk to nothing his lungs corroded and his skull entirely emptied of every trace of brains for short sight there is nothing like a good thrashing or at least a violent blow says our doctor an old german aged eighty who had all his lifetime suffered from short sight was one day jogging to the market on his respectable mare dobbin dobbin tripped on a stone and flung her rider the old man fell upon a stone which pierced his skull the dense vapors which had obscured his vision for so long were enabled to escape through the aperture and on his recovery the venerable gentleman had the sight of an eagle a cavalier was troubled with the same infirmity he saw a large salmon hanging up outside a fishmonger's shop and mistaking it for a young lady of his acquaintance removed his cap and addressed it with courtesy another youth having made great fun of the mistake the short-sighted cavalier felt himself constrained in honour to call him out in the duel he received a sword wound over his left eye and this completely cured his vision for deafness dr paulini recommends a box on the ear especially successful is this treatment in the case of children who do not attend to the commands and advice of their parents on the plea of not having heard in such cases the employment of corporal punishment cannot be too highly estimated the doctor tells the story of a boy destined for the ministry who ran away from school and apprenticed himself to a tailor who was cured of deafness and tailoring propensities by the application of a large pair of drumsticks to a sensitive part of his person and who eventually became a lutheran pastor and was to the end of his days able to mend his own clothes this story furnishes the author of flagellum salutis with matter for a digression 
on clerical education he quotes with approval the sentiments of his old patron dr Shoup, expressed thus nowadays that every bumpkin makes his son study for the ministry we have them scrambling about the country begging for promotion and grumbling because it does not come as fast as they expect the learned son is a poor curate with no benefice such a to-do about this complaints murmurs and what not why did he not learn a trade in addition to his theology luke the evangelist was a theologus and medicus as well and a painter to boot paul in his youth studied divinity at the feet of gamaliel but he was a carpet manufacturer besides was the kaiser rudolph a worse emperor for being as well a clever craftsman if i could recall my past years and begin life again said dr Shoup, i would not become a student only but learn a trade besides then if the thankless world kicked me i would measure its foot for a boot if it made faces at me i would paint a portrait of it if my divinity did not agree with its stomach i would dose it with purgatives like luke i would make the world respect me for my diligence in trade if it turned up its nose at my theology anyhow i would not go about snivelling and crying poverty and want of promotion to this speech of dr Shoup, paulini adds a few pertinent remarks the lad i was telling you about he says had a hankering after tailoring well tailoring is an honourable and useful profession was not moses bidden thou shalt make holy garments for aaron thy brother for glory and for beauty and thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted whom i have filled with the spirit of wisdom that they may make aaron garments tailors filled with the spirit of wisdom why despise the craft which god has honoured it must be allowed that there is sense in this little digression doubtless it would be well if not only those destined for the ministry but all the sons of the higher classes of society were taught some manual employment in addition to the cultivation of their intellectual faculties that our grammar schools should take the hint is not to be anticipated masters and governors have the same implicit confidence in classic studies as the universal panacea that dr paulini professes for the rod and dr sangrado for cold water and bloodletting i do not dispute the fact that the most useful knowledge for a lad to acquire who is destined for colonial farming or for a mercantile life at home is greek prosody but i suggest that an acquaintance with carpentering land surveying or bookkeeping might be found advantageous in a secondary degree lockjaw is to be treated in the same manner asserts our author and he tells an amusing anecdote on the subject from volquard iverson nicholas vorburg was an oriental traveller in the course of his wanderings he reached agra the capital of the great cham the european was introduced to his majesty at the dinner hour and found the monarch just returned from the expedition and as hungry as a hunter 
a bowl of rice was brought in the great cham dipped his hands into it and ladled so much rice as they would hold into his capacious mouth distended to the utmost conceivable extent but the great cham had overestimated his capabilities of distension of his jaws and they became dislocated at the sight the servants were distracted with fear the nobles stroked their chins in uncertainty how to act the priests had recourse to their devotions but no one assisted the monarch out of his dilemma he sat upon his imperial throne purple in face his eyes distended with horror his mouth gaping and full of rice suffocation was imminent nicholas forberg without even prostrating himself before the emperor ran up the steps of his throne and hit him a violent crack with the palm of his hand upon the cheek the rice fell out of his mouth upon the imperial lap some it is surmised descended the imperial red lane another slap accomplished the relief of the monarch and set the jaw once more in working order at the same moment the servants screamed at the outrage committed upon the sacred majesty of the emperor the nobles drew their swords to avenge it and the priests converted their prayers for the recovery of their king into curses on the head of him who had sacrilegiously raised his hand to violate his divinity poor forberg would have been made into mincemeat had not the emperor providentially recovered his breath in time to administer a reproof to his overzealous subjects he acknowledged the relief afforded him by the stranger by a present of a thousand rupees a tailor had a son who was half-witted the father was out one day and the child who was left in the house after the manner of children looked about him in quest of some mischief which he might perpetrate a pair of elegant breeches just completed by his father and designed for the legs of a nobleman hung suspended from the wall the child made a figured pattern upon the amber silk with his finger dipped at intervals in the ink-pot the mother was the first to discover the transformation of the breeches and not regarding the alteration in the same light as did her child caught up the yard measure and administered a castigation to the culprit sufficient to stir up the stagnating juices dissolve the precipitating salts and purify the coagulating humours in at least one portion of the lad's body the youth under the impression that high art is never appreciated at first sight made himself scarce for some hours the father on his return used every effort to obliterate the flowering of ink which his son had drawn over the amber breeches but with only a limited degree of success so limited in fact that the nobleman for whom they were destined utterly refused to invest his person in them and they were returned to the tailor's hands the boy towards evening impelled by hunger had returned home and was soothing his injured feelings with bread and butter when the father re-entered the house in a moment the parental left hand had grasped the scruff of his neck whilst the right hand dexterously completed the stirring up of the stagnant juices dissolving of precipitating salts and purifying of coagulating humours with such success that dr paulini assures us the child grew up 
a miracle of discretion and never after decorated articles of clothing other than his own pinafore under the heading of swollen breasts the learned doctor gives us his ideas on the subject of schoolmasters and their titles these remarks are sensible enough in their way but hardly come under the heading he has selected for the chapter connected still more vaguely with swollen breasts is the commentary on some verses in the twenty-first chapter of st john's gospel which closes the section to those who suffer from toothaches he recommends the practice of a learned professor under whom he has studied this man suffered excruciating torture with his teeth at night the professor the moment that his sufferings began was wont to leave his bed and spend his night in jumping on to his table and then jumping down again till the pain ceased paulini does not state the feelings of those who slept in the room immediately underneath that occupied by dr erasmus vending neither does it seem clear at first sight how the jumping diversion is connected with the subject of the rod concerning the merits of which the book treats but on further consideration the connection becomes apparent dr paulini being silent on this point we have but the light of nature to guide us to the conclusion that the saltatory performances of dr erasmus would arouse and exasperate the other lodgers into an application of the universal panacea to his scantily protected person for constitutional indolence the rod is inestimable the monotony of its use as a specific may however be pleasingly varied by an application of corporal punishment in the following disguised form which if severe is nevertheless infallible as a cure hermann habermann a native of mikla deserves the credit of being the first to communicate it to the medical profession habermann had spent many years in iceland and it was there that he saw the treatment in use an artisan suffering from indolence was recommended by a native doctor to let himself be sewn up in a sack stuffed with wool and then be dragged about rolled down hill thumped kicked and jumped upon by his friends and acquaintances when he emerged from the sack he was to take a draught to open his pores and go to bed the remedy was tried and succeeded a somewhat similar cure came under paulini's personal observation a nobleman had a jester who was dotingly fond of fowls he stole all his master's poultry so that his master was obliged to do without eggs for his breakfast the fool moreover was deficient in fun and was by no means worth his keeping at last his master determined on correcting him severely he had him sewn up in a hop-bag and well thrashed and then rolled down hill and thrashed again the fool never stole eggs from that day forward and from being a poor fool he became one famous for his brilliant parts and sparkling humour for tertian fever the rod is an admirable specific a lawyer once suffered from this complaint which left him at times 
able to continue his avocation he had brought upon himself the ill feeling of a certain gentleman whom he had in one of his pleadings turned into ridicule this person determined to punish the advocate as soon as a convenient opportunity presented itself the opportunity came the lawyer was riding home one day past the house of the nobleman when the latter descried him and immediately sent him a message requesting a moment's private conversation the unfortunate advocate fell into the trap expecting to get employment in a fresh suit he hurried eagerly to the castle only to find the gates closed upon him and all egress prevented in another moment the insulted gentleman stood before him vile bloodhound of the law he exclaimed you have long escaped the punishment due you for your insolence and temerity you disgraced me publicly and i shall revenge myself upon you by degrading you in a manner certain to humble your pride yet i am merciful i give you your choice of two modes of suffering you shall either sit on an ant-hill in the clothing provided you by nature till you have learned by heart the seven penitential psalms or you shall run the gauntlet in the same degage costume round my courtyard where will be ranged all my servants armed with rods wherewith to belabour you the hapless lawyer cast himself on his knees before the nobleman and implored mercy he pleaded that he had his wife and children to provide for but the other replied that this was not to the point as he had no intention of injuring the lady or the infants then the lawyer alleged his illness saying that the access of fever would be on him next day and that the punishment wherewith he was threatened either of them in fact might terminate fatally that replied the injured gentleman can only be ascertained by experiment my own impression is that the ants or the whips will produce a counter-irritation which may prove beneficial still he continued stroking his chin we mortals are liable to err and my impression may be unfounded i will frankly acknowledge my mistake if convinced by the result taking the direction you anticipate reluctantly the poor advocate made his election of the treatment he was to undergo from the ants and the penitential psalms he recoiled with horror and he chose shudderingly to run the gauntlet so he ran it black and blue bruised and bleeding the wretched man was dismissed at last to return to the bosom of his family the nobleman was right the lawyer was forever cured of his tertian fever in another work of the same author zeit kürzende erbauliche lust eight volumes frankfurt sixteen ninety three the doctor argues the case whether an honourable man may thrash his wife and concludes that such a course of action entirely depends on the behaviour and temperament of the wife woman was created to be good quiet and orderly when she is otherwise she is going contrary to her vocation and art must be employed to correct nature eve was given to adam reasons paulini to be a helpmeet to him and not to be the plague and worry of his life 
woman's vocation is to be a modest and gentle angel and not to be a brazen furious demon every woman is either one or the other if she is as heaven made her she takes to the bit and rein readily is easily managed without the whip and is perfectly docile if however she is what the evil one would have her she takes the bit in her teeth sets back her ears plunges and kicks and woe to the man who comes within reach of her tongue her claws or her toes then there is need for the rod to a good wife there is a golden ornament upon her and her bands are purple lace thou shalt put her on as a robe of honour and shalt put her about thee as a crown of joy but as for the bad wife deal with her after the advice of the poet joaquim raquel thou wilt be constrained her head to punch and let not thine eye then spare her grasp the first weapon that comes to hand horsewhip or cudgel or walking-stick or batter her well with the warming pan dread not to fling her down on the earth nerve well thine arm let thy heart be stout as iron as brass or stone or steel for no wrath is equal to a woman's wrath and better is it to live in the cage of an african lion or of a dragon torn from its whelps than to live in the house with such a woman of all wickedness the worst is a woman's wickedness why asks the doctor what sort of life did jupiter lead in heaven with his precious juno poor god he let her get the upper hand of him had he but taken his stick to her instead of scolding he might have had olympus quiet and have saved himself from being badgered through eternity they managed things better in rome a man had a wife full of bad tempers he went to the oracle and asked what should be done with a garment which had moths in it dust it was the oracular response and added the man i have a wife who is full of her nasty little tempers should not she be treated in a similar manner to be sure answered the oracle dust her daily and never was a truer or better bit of advice given by an oracle the work of dr paulini called forth others in response and doubtless enthusiastic devotees of the rod abounded his views were however combated by others from a tract against the use of the rod i call one curious and droll story wherewith to conclude this article a husband accompanied his wife to confession the lady having opened her griefs the father who was shriving her insisted on administering a severe penitential scourging the husband hearing the first stroke inflicted on his better half interfered and urged that his wife was delicate and that as he and she were one flesh it would be better for him as the stronger vessel to receive the scourging intended for his helpmate the confessor having consented to this substitution the man knelt in his wife's place while she retired from the confessional whack whack went the cat followed by a moan from the good man's lips harder harder ejaculated the wife i am a grievous sinner whack 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 lay it on cried she 
i am the worst of sinners whack whack and a howl from the sufferer never mind his cries father exclaimed she remember only my sins make him smart here that i may escape in purgatory End of chapter 8